0: Good evening, listeners. It's time to settle in for another chilling story of suburban suspense. From the slumbering heads of Mount Rushmore to the twin and windy cities. From the unseen depths of the Great Lakes to the rustling husks of cornfields across the heartland. Who knows what ghouls and crawling creatures lurk among us under the Midwest moon. Kay was not supposed to be here. She had dedicated months of savings and a series of virtual interviews to setting herself up with an out-of-state job as soon as she finished her graduate program, a life over a thousand miles south of the Midwest tundra. Kay had powered through the last of her grad school exams on the thought of the move alone. It was so close, just a winter graduation and she would be on her way down. Whenever stress crept in, she'd close her eyes usually outside the library, in her defrosting car. And imagine herself there, in the town that was warm and walkable enough she wouldn't need a car. But shortly after Thanksgiving, both her job and the move fell through in the same bitter cold week, a cruel one-two punch that knocked the wind out of her. She was left reeling, directionless, and scraping her windshield in shin-deep snowdrifts. Luckily, Kay was able to make a deal with her should-be former landlord, extending her lease, and her friend Jack set her up with a job at a great bar where he worked downtown. The bar was tropical-themed, hitchy and upscale at the same time, with wicker furniture, floral and nautical decor, and overhead screens that played a constant loop of beach party movies from decades past. The bar shared space with a window at the back that sold pizza by the slice. Bridging the two businesses was a swanky lounge with a swinging chair and low wooden ceiling beams, like in a cabana. Kay's favorite feature was a 3D gilled monster peering out from a glass case mounted on the wall, a creature without a lagoon. The monster was no more than a bust, a scaly green head and shoulders surrounded by underwater plants. He was the perfect mascot for the unique space part man and part monster, in the part bar, part pizza parlor. His red-eyed, red-mouthed face looked down over patrons as they talked, like those unnerving portraits whose gaze seems to follow you wherever you walk. The monster scared Kay in a fun way, like the thrill she would get from watching scary movies too late as a little girl. One weekend in late December, an ice storm hit town. Streets became undriveable and trees iced over, their massive branches breaking off beneath the weight. The storm sent droves of patrons to the tropical bar on foot, shielding their faces from pelting sleet as they scrambled over the slick sidewalks downtown. The stretch of surrounding businesses had closed early because of the severe weather, their dark windows and unlit signs making the bar appear all the more welcoming. A beacon of warmth and pufferfish lamps. Saturday night, the bar was pleasantly packed as the whole town seemed to be in on the same secret. Winter's worst is easier to bear with a daiquiri in hand. The pizzeria cooked up extra specials, and a contest broke out between strangers playing pinball on the Adams Family machine. The stress of the storm melted like a spell lifted as everyone laughed and danced and enjoyed the escape. Just past midnight, however, ice-coated power lines snagged and snapped, and the power cut out suddenly, blanketing the bar in darkness. There was an immediate panic. Drinks dropped and chair legs scraped across the floor as screams shot through the blackout, shrill and piercing as Hitchcock victims. Within moments, the dim emergency light behind the bar powered on. But even then, the space was cavernously dark, with those closest to the bar silhouetted in ghostly blue, like the light from a pale alien moon. For safety reasons, everyone was asked to leave early. They bundled up and were ushered out with free slices of pizza, following the narrow beam of the bouncer's flashlight through the dark and out the door. Once the last of the crowd had left, the staff lit every tabletop candle they had and set about cleaning. They righted overturned chairs and knelt down to scoop up ice and cocktail umbrellas. Hay was on her knees beneath the table retrieving a fallen coaster when she saw a set of wet footprints, no doubt snow tracked in by patrons. She grabbed a towel from the back and started mopping up the tracks by the side door where they seemed to start. She made it several feet before she stopped, startled to see the watery prints become laced with broken glass near the wall below the monster display. The whole wall beneath the display was wet, glistening in the dim candlelight. Kay's eyes followed the wet streaks up to discover that the glass box was broken open in a giant star-shaped fracture. The creature was gone. Faux moss and seaweed hung limply where the monster should be. Someone must have stolen it in all the chaos, and the wet tracks had been leading the other direction, out the door. Kay told her co-workers what had happened, waving them over to look at the damaged display, and the group wondered together about who would do that. Who would take advantage of a crisis like that? The whole staff treated customers like friends, and it stung that someone would violate that. The bar was split over what to do next. Half the staff was bent on tracking the creature down, and the others, less optimistic about their prospects, wanted to raise money to replace it. Kay's friend Jack decided they'd do both, search for the creature and hold a party to raise money for a new one. Kay made flyers that featured a drawing of the monster below the words, Missing Gilman, help us find our monster mascot. At the bottom, she listed the bar's number as a tip line. With each missing monster flyer that was posted, a separate poster was hung, an invitation to a creature from the Black Lagoon fundraiser the next weekend. In the days after the power outage, news of other vandalisms and burglaries surfaced. The butterfly house down the street was broken into, the doors to its 80-degree indoor garden wrenched open, leaving butterflies to flit out into the other exhibits. That same night at a nearby pond, steel chains blocking winter access to the dock were ripped from their posts and tossed aside in a snaked pile. Police struggled to find motives or suspects in any of the cases and couldn't say with certainty whether they were related. Their daily briefings all ended the same way. Our investigation is ongoing. On the night of the bar's fundraiser, a custodian at the local college was finishing his shift when he noticed the alarm about the gymnasium door was activated. Someone had broken into the pool. Wanting to save security the trip, he silenced the alarm and headed inside to investigate. Immediately, a wave of heat and chlorine enveloped him foam kickboards and abandoned goggles littered the floor but the space was empty no intruder to be found the custodian walked a slow circle around the pool's perimeter peering into the shadowed stands and below the benches along the walls until he was satisfied they were clear as he moved toward the hallway to search the rest of the gym he thought he saw a ripple travel across the surface of the pool in the dark he stilled slowly he stepped closer to the pool and discovered a film of thick green sludge floating on the water he crouched down at the edge of the deep end and reached his hand into the water trailing it through the slime the scum was slippery and thick and stretched the length of the nearest lap lane while the custodian was used to strange student antics in the gym and the pool something felt different about this unsettling Quickly, he pulled his hand out of the water and shook it off. He let out a panicked breath and stood back up, trying to push the uneasiness from his mind. He would make quick work of cleaning the pool and then go. Stealing himself, he made his way back through the changing rooms toward the supply closet. He passed the lockers and the showers, but stopped short by the sauna, where steam rolled toward him like an ominous fog from behind the tiled privacy wall. Gym hours are over! He shouted. No response. He swallowed hard. You can't be here. The sauna is closed, he called out again, again met with echoey silence. Slowly, he stepped around the corner to confront the trespasser. The man's heart stopped at the sight of a figure sitting still in the center of the open sauna door. A monster, scaly and muscled, Steamy air escaped through the door as the creature stared out with deathly red eyes. The custodian turned on his heels, bolting to the gym's front desk. His feet slid across slimy footprints on the tile as he ran. Twice he slipped and caught himself against the wall before making it to the phone. But just as he connected with campus security, panting and frantic, a strong webbed hand gripped his arm from behind. Meanwhile, across town, the fundraiser had started. A group of friends showed up to the bar dressed like extras from a 50s beach movie, wearing modest bathing suits beneath their parkas, opting for thick snow boots over sandals. Others donned t-shirts that read, Give Us Back Our Creature Feature, most dressed as the creature itself, with rubber masks and comically large webbed plastic hands. They laughed trying to lift their drinks with their monster gloves and danced stiffly, barely able to see through their masks. Kay was happy with a strong turnout, glad to see so much support, but after a time, everyone seemed to meld into one overwhelming crowd, a mass of unsmiling monsters. She felt uneasy for a reason she couldn't explain. When Jack set a drink on fire, a trick that usually made Kay laugh and clap, The fan of sparks startled her, and she slipped out the side door near the alley to get some air. She sat down on the steps and closed her eyes, hugging her sweater tightly around herself. The cold seemed to help her anxiety. It focused and calmed her racing mind, almost like an ice bath forces clarity by overwhelming the senses. She stayed that way for several minutes, taking slow, deep breaths. When the phone in her pocket buzzed with a message. It was an alert from the college. Even though she'd graduated, she still got emergency notifications from campus security. The alert read, The Howard Center gym was broken into and vandalized at approximately 10.45 p.m. Campus safety is investigating. Stay vigilant and remain in your dorms. Notify administration if you have any information about the incident. Kay wondered if the break-in had any connection to the bar thief or the other incidents around town. She tried to think if there were any similarities between events, but before she had time to finish her thought, she heard someone approaching down the darkened alley, slow footsteps in the close packed snow. She felt the impulse to run back inside, but her body was frozen in place. The steps grew closer and closer, until suddenly a face appeared around the back corner of the building. A face, and then a body. He was scaled and glistening green all down his torso, arms, and legs to his thick webbed feet. A life-size nightmare. He stood motionless when he reached the pool of light at the foot of the bar steps, just feet away from Kay. The creature looked identical to the stolen monster, unlike all the knockoffs in the party. But the creature in the display box had been just ahead, right? It wasn't a full monster behind the glass. It couldn't be. That's when Kay noticed another figure stood beside him, the custodian. Kay rose to her feet slowly, terrified but unable to run, like in a dream where she could only move at half speed. Both the man and the monster stepped close toward Kay, almost as if synchronized. She searched the man's wide eyes, backing against the door and clutching the handle behind her. Adrenaline coursed through her as the two figures moved closer again. The man was talking to her, telling her something urgent she could tell from his wild gestures, but she couldn't hear him. Her ears felt full, like they were plugged from swimming. Her whole head buzzed with that surreal sensation she felt just before she was about to faint. Kay thought for a moment to usher the custodian inside, but she didn't know how to do that without letting the monster in with him. She wrestled with her next move, before fear thrust her into autopilot, and she bolted back inside, shutting both out in alley. Fists banged hard against the door, whether the man or the creature Kay didn't know. She backed away, the only person who seemed to hear the pounding beneath the bar's music and conversations. Kay weaved through the crowd of monster masks, face after ghoulish face staring at her from red eyes and raced to find Jack. She found him restocking olives behind the bar, and told him hurriedly what she'd seen, what she'd done, locking a man out in the alley with a monster. The two had been standing so close together, Kay couldn't tell if the man had a hold of the creature or the other way around. Jack tried to reassure her. Kay, that's crazy. I'm sure it's some guy who just spent way too much money on a monster suit. But Kay wasn't listening. She was trying to formulate a plan. In her panic, Kay had not thought to lock the front entrance, and just when she remembered, hurtling past patrons in a dead sprint to the door, it ghosted open, and the monster and custodian entered. "'That's them, Jack!' Kay shouted, doubling back and ducking behind him. Jack squeezed her arm in reassurance and approached the creature, who was scanning the room as though looking for someone, but not finding them. "'Hey, nice costume!' Jack said, but the monster didn't respond." He stood impossibly still, his shark eyes trained on Jack. The thought of the monster hurting Jack frightened Kay, and she was overcome with sudden nerve. Get out, both of you, she said, closing in on the monster in the doorway. The custodian stepped in front of the monster and reached out to Kay. Stop, please, he begged. You don't understand. I mean it. Go, Kay insisted. Listen, he's not dangerous. He's just trying to go home, the man said. What are you talking about? Why'd you bring him here? Kay said. Take him to the police, or, or... I tried, the man said. He wouldn't go anywhere else. He led me here. Patrons near the door were now all watching. Jack straightened up. Look, Kay is right. You're causing a scene. You need to go. The custodian lunged toward Jack then and gripped his shoulders. Please, he won't hurt you. He just wants help. I know it, the man pleaded. Just as the custodian grabbed Jack, the monster wheeled toward Kay and picked her up. Before anyone could process what was happening, the gill man pushed open the door and carried Kay out into the cold. As Jack struggled against the vice grip of the stunned custodian, a patron finally snapped into action to go after Kay, but the creature had wedged a patio chair against the door, jamming it shut. Jack watched helplessly through the window as the monster carried Kay into the night. With all his strength, Jack wrestled loose and ran full speed into the door, ramming it with his shoulder. It held. Jack backed up and tried again. Again, it wouldn't open. Jack changed tactics and bolted to the side entrance, rushing out into the street. He called the police as he ran, searching for the creature, listening for Kay. The bar patrons became a search party then pouring out into the freezing cold and splitting off down every back alley and side street downtown hours of searching brought nothing it was as if the monster had walked out of frame in a movie and vanished the first rays of dawn appeared as jack and the others folded exhausted and numb from the cold the police carried on with the search But the combination of melting slush and fresh-fallen snow made following tracks impossible. Jack slumped into a stool back at the bar, rubbing his wind-chapped hands to warm up, and cursing himself for not being quicker to go after Kay, not believing her in the first place. It made no sense, but he was certain now the creature was real. Not a prankster, not a Halloween-costumed lookalike. He puzzled over how that was possible when his phone chirped with a text. It was Kay. She wrote that she was safe and she was sorry, but she needed to get out of town. The night had been too much. Don't worry, I'll call soon, explain everything, but I just need to get away. I'm okay now and safe. You can bet the house on it. That last phrase made Jack collapse in relief. It was a secret code they shared after bad dates or on solo trips to assure the other all was well, that they weren't under duress and were really and truly okay. He couldn't imagine how, and he would call her over and over until he could hear her confirm it. But the high-alert panic was gone. The strange, terrifying ordeal was behind them. Two weeks passed before any sense of normalcy returned to the bar. The staff made the unanimous decision not to replace the creature wall hanging. Instead, Jack used the fundraiser money to purchase a funky mermaid bust. It kept with the beachy theme and was far less ominous than the monster, smiling a siren smile beneath a mane of beautiful curls. One afternoon, as Jack was opening up the bar, a delivery came, a slim package addressed from Kay and postmarked from Waculla Springs, Florida. She had made it south, after all. Inside the envelope was a stack of photographs and a postcard. Jack flipped the card over to read, Finally made it. Sorry for the Irish goodbye, but I needed to get away. So much beauty and warmth here. Can't get enough of the water. Miss you all. Love, Kay. Jack smiled and flipped through the photographs. The first showed Kay beside a trellis of pink flowers outside a restaurant. The next was a close-up of the sun reflecting off Kay's sunglasses, followed by a snapshot of a deep green swath of tropical trees. The last photo showed Kay sitting on the edge of a riverboat, her legs dangling into the water. She looked happy. Jack pinned each photo up behind the bar, a collage of his friend above the limes and swizzle sticks. He had just placed the final picture when something in the photo's foreground made his chest seize. There, beside the boat, just beneath the surface of the translucent water, barely visible among a tangle of underwater plants, was a scaly green head and shoulders.